0: Well, I wanna welcome you here to Big Valley Grace again. Welcome to all of you over in the the venue. We're glad you're with us. And again, if you're watching online, we're we're glad you're with us. We're in a series here called The Bible, The Whole Bible, and Nothing But the Bible. And uh, the whole goal of this uh, series is that all of us would fall in love with our Bibles to a greater degree, that uh, we would be people who would learn to live out what the Bible says to a greater degree, And most importantly, that we would be a group of people who would love the God who's revealed within these two leather-bound covers to a higher degree, that we would love Jesus. In other words, I just don't want us learning stuff about the Bible for the Bible's sake. We're to be people who love the God who's revealed between these two leather-bound covers. And uh, we've been doing a a Bible quiz here, if you're visiting with us, and... um, Over in the the venue, we're going to do something special for you, because you've kind of been left out of winning a a prize or something. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut live to the venue, and Pastor Brandon is actually going to do the Bible quiz with you over there while we have our our quiz here. And uh, before I get into it here, I I do want to do a little review for everybody. And I know that for some of you, um, you already know this, um, but... For the sake of those of you that are uh, younger in the faith, you're newer believers here, I just want to make sure that you understand some basic things about the Bible, so I want to do a little review for you. The Bible is split into two major sections. You have the Old Testament, and it has 39 books in it beginning with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through, the 39th book would be the book of Malachi. You have 39 books in the Old Testament. In my humble opinion, I think the three most important chapters in all of the Bible are Genesis chapters one, two and three, the first three chapters in the first book. Because if you don't understand Uh, Genesis chapters one, two, and three, then the rest of the Bible can't make a whole lot of sense to you. It's in Genesis chapters one and two where we see how God wanted everything to be. It's in Genesis chapter three where we see where sin entered into the world. And then from Genesis chapter three on, the basic message, the theme, if you will, of the Old Testament is that Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. The Savior is going to come. Because of sin, because of what happens in Genesis chapter 3, God is going to send us the Savior. And so the theme of those 39 books would be Jesus's coming. At the end of Malachi, you begin what is called the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, where we see how the church was born, all the way through the book of Revelation. And there you have 27 books. Old Testament 39, New Testament 27. The theme of the New Testament is Jesus has come. The Old Old Testament, he's coming. The New Testament opens up with the Savior who was born in a little town called Bethlehem. Jesus has come. That's the theme of the New Testament. So if the Old Testament theme is Jesus is coming and the New Testament theme is Jesus has come, then the theme of the Bible really would be Jesus. Jesus is. It's, it's a book about Jesus. And I understand that for many of you in this room, that's, that, that's pretty basic stuff. But we all need to know how our Bibles are laid out. Listen to me, for some of you, for those of you that are brand new in the faith, the most important page in your Bible might be the table of contents. <laughs> because it's important that you understand how the Bible is structured. It's important that you know where all these books of the Bible are. And I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, I took the table of contents and I literally ripped it out of my Bible. So that when I did a Bible study, when I was in a Bible study with somebody and I was in Bible studies at George Brown's uh, apartment on East Union over there or West Union or whatever that was, I was in a number of Bible studies and here's the deal, somebody said turn to this book or turn to that book, I, I didn't know where it was. I could be you know, looking through here for an hour and the Bible study would be over and I'm still looking for whatever. <laughs> so what I did was I had the table of contents and I just stick it up. Oh. Oh, I've gone too far. Oh, it's back this way. Oh, I see. And so the table of contents became a very important page, if you will, within the context of the Bible. Now obviously it's not inspired, and, and, and I'm somewhat teasing, but it is an important thing that we all learn the, the structure of, of the scripture. The first book in the Bible is Genesis. The last book in the Bible is the book of, of Revelation. God is the author, if you will, of all of the books in the Bible. Second Peter chapter 1 says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Somehow, the the Holy Spirit supernaturally filled all of the writers of the Old Testament, the writers of the New Testament, and they pinned the very words that God wanted them to pin. Uh, I think Jeremiah captured it best when he said, The Lord gave me this message. And that's what happened. The the Lord supernaturally came upon the writers of the Old Testament, the writers of the New Testament, and he was the one who gave them the messages that they wrote or spoke. Now, they did it in their own personalities. They did it in their own uh, styles. When you look at, say, the book of Matthew, Matthew, if you read through it, um, there's lots of uh, Old Testament um, prophecies that are in there. He, he mentions a whole lot of Old Testament verses. He, he, he quotes a lot of Old Testament prophets, okay? And the reason why he does that is because his audience was going to be Jewish people. Jews were going to primarily, at that moment, read what he was writing, and if you were Jewish, then you obviously understood the Old Testament. You knew the Old Testament. And so he knew who his audience was, where when you get to the book of, say, Luke, Luke doesn't mention anything about the Old Testament. And the reason why is, he was writing to educated Greeks. And the Greeks didn't know anything about the Old Testament, so what good would it have done to bring up all these Old Testament verses or quotes from Old Testament prophets when they didn't know any of them? They didn't know anything about the Old Testament. So his writing, he understood who his audience was, and he writes differently from a different angle. Now, obviously, God knew all of that. Same thing would be true in what I do if I'm going to go speak to a group of pastors, I'm going to speak as if they already have some, we're already on the same page as it relates to the scriptures. But if I'm going to go in and talk with a group of, say, unbelievers, well, well, then it's my, my angle is going to be different. Yeah, does that make some sense? So, You have these 39 books in the Old Testament. You got these 27 books in the New Testament. The theme of the Old Testament, Jesus is coming. Theme of the New Testament, Jesus has come. The first book in the Bible is Genesis. Last book in the Bible is Revelation. And God is the author of the entire Bible. Now we're gonna get into our quiz. So you kind of gotta get your brains working here a little bit, okay? It's getting tougher. Last night, not everybody won the prizes. And no, I showed no mercy. I didn't give the prize out. you got to win the prize. So the first couple, just get your brains loose here a little bit, okay? Don't yell it out loud. I want everybody to kind of wrestle around with this. One of the things that was interesting is this week I read a report from the Barna group, and they're a big organization that does a lot of polling, testing. And one of the things they found was that Christians, followers of Christ, people who claim to know the Lord, are very... Uh, biblically illiterate. In other words, I have no doubt you love the Lord and all of that and you understand some really basic things, but it was amazing to me how little Christians knew about the scriptures and some of the answers that people gave to some pretty simple questions. And one of the things that we as believers have to do is be a group of people who really understand the Bible the best we can. And so I think this Bible quiz is a fun way just to kind of get your own brains working to see how well maybe you even know the scriptures. So the first one is this. On what body of water did Jesus walk? On what body of water did Jesus walk? And the answer is the Sea of Galilee. Okay, you find that in Matthew chapter 14. It was amazing what some of the answers were in Barna's quiz to that question. From people who know the Lord. It would just be better if you don't know an answer to say, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad answer right there. I, I, I don't know. Instead of opening your mouth and really looking goofy. Uh, question number two, what promise did God make with the covenant of the rainbow? What promise did God make with the covenant of the rainbow? The answer is, is that he would never destroy the earth again with the flood. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter nine. Now the Bible doesn't say that God won't destroy the earth again, he just says he won't do it with a flood. He's going to destroy the earth again. There's gonna come a moment when that happens. It just won't be with a flood. And so the next time, Christian, you're driving around and after it rains and you see a beautiful rainbow, it is beautiful but it ought to be a reminder to you. It ought to be a reminder to you that you know what, the Lord isn't gonna destroy the earth with the flood again, but he is gonna destroy the earth. There will come a moment when sin will be judged. Uh, okay, now we get into the Bible quiz. First one, you get to win your, uh, your, your cool uh, you know, Bible bookmark. You don't have to rip Your table of contents out of your Bible, you can just use this. It has all the the Old Testament books in order and it has all the New Testament books in order and and all of that. So here it is, and this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to take this section right here, the pie section over and all of you. Okay. So you all have a chance at this one right here and you have to tell me the verse. You got to know the verse, the actual verse. Okay. Here it is what verse in the Bible says that no one is righteous, not even one? Yes. Romans 3.23? No, but very close. No, you're done, you only get one shot at it. He's just gonna keep throwing out Romans, but it is in the book of Romans. Who said that? Who said 3.10? Right there, right up there, 3.10, who is that? Mike, okay, hey, right here. Hey, get upstairs. You, you go burn some calories. Right up there, right in the front. Go burn some calories. You need you need to burn some calories, buddy. Man, guys, bloating up on us. Got to keep got to keep our worship guys in shape. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, this next one is a great book, and this is going to be you guys. Okay, this section over here. Okay, pie section. You over here, up there. You got a great book is called. Uh, Taking God at his word, I'll tell you what, everybody ought to have this book. Great author, great pastor, his name is Kevin DeYoung. This is a book that everybody ought to have in their library, it doesn't take very long uh, to read. So your question is, uh, where am I at here? All right, here it is. What verse in the Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish or be destroyed, but wants everybody to repent? I want the whole, I, I gotta have the verse. What verse in the Bible says, says that, and I think I'm going to give you a second. Just kind of think, I right, see you looking at your Bible. That's good. Okay. Well, it's on hand. I don't know. Okay. Okay. See, she, thank you. She learned something there. She doesn't know. And she just wanted me to know she doesn't know. Thank you. That's not a bad answer. I appreciate that. There. By the way, it doesn't look like anybody knows just to be straight up with you. Oh, right up there. You got it, man. You got it. Okay, get going. This is what he does. See, and I got I gotta make sure he keeps, keeps active and he sings. That's what, all right. Last but not least, it's this section right here in the mezzanine. And this is the hard one. Cause it's kind of hard to see. Okay, so it's this section right here, and this is the uh, framed little uh, 10 Commandments thing that you you, you can win, okay? Framed 10 Commandments. All right, what verse in the Bible says that we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away? We may drift away. Good, good, oh, I like that. Someone's looking on their smartphone. keyword. Oh, come on. You're going, come on. <laughs> Anybody know? Anybody know? I'll give you a second. I know some of you are looking in your Bibles. That's good. Raise your hand if you know the answer. Right, right, oh, oh, right up there. Hebrews 2, 1 is absolutely correct. Now, somebody said it down here, but they were too embarrassed to raise their hand. But you did. You got it. All right, where's Tim? I'm here. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, we got to start doing some laps in here on Mondays. I'm going <laughs> to start a training program for you guys. That's right. Tell you what, that, that's, a, that's a powerful verse right there. So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard or we may drift away from it. And boy, I'll tell you what, our flesh is a powerful thing. And we can very easily drift from from the truth. Well, here's uh, just a couple other questions. How many days, and this is just between you and the Lord, how many days last week did you read your Bible? And I know that some of you may have had a good week. Things kind of worked out in such a way that you were able to set aside some time and you had a great, great time in, in the word of the, the Lord. And I also know that life overtook some of you. Life happens, right? Yeah, you had all the great intentions to read the Bible and then you started getting your kids ready to go to school. And right as you're walking out the door, they spilled the hot chocolate all over themselves and you're running here, you're running there. You're trying to get everything done. Wash the dishes, clean the thing, do this stuff, go to work. And it just got difficult. And this isn't meant to make anybody feel guilty. I just want you to think about it. Were you able to get into the word last week? How, how, how many times? How about this question? Did you try to memorize a a verse in the Bible this last week? Was there a verse that you said, okay, I'm going to try to commit this one to to memory? And I'm getting lots of emails and things from people who really are, and, and praise the Lord for that. How about this question? Do you have your Bibles with you right now? And if you do, hold the sword up. Let me see the swords. Come on, everybody hold them up. Man, a lot of Bibles in here. All right, now here's the deal. I, I've said this each week. Uh, just because I put most of the verses up on the jumbotrons is not an excuse for you not to bring your Bible. I, I know you have a Bible and I know I could have you turn there, but I also know that in the culture that we live in, there's lots of people who don't have Bibles. We have lots of people here and over in the, the venue who, uh, you know what, they didn't grow up with the word of God. They don't know the word of God. Maybe you're here and you don't even you know, know the Lord. Well, I wanna make sure you see the word for yourself, and so I put it up there, but that's not an excuse for us not to get into the Word. And if you're here and you don't have a Bible, or over in the venue you don't have a Bible, all you have to do is go into the altar room here, or the altar room over in the venue, and we'd be more than happy to give you a Bible. The scripture says this, all scripture is inspired by God. God breathes and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. One of the things that's, um, that's interesting, and there was this little movement out there that... Um, people called themselves red-letter Christians. Maybe you heard that term. And the theory or the thought behind it was a red-letter Christian was somebody who really only, you know, chose to live by the red letters in their Bibles. In other words, it was the words of Jesus that they were gonna live by. They were red-letter Christians. And just to be straight up with you, that really is something that is satanic because the words of Jesus are very, very important. Obviously, they're inspired by God. God was speaking. But when you make that claim, what you're saying is, is that the rest of the Bible isn't. You see, the words of Jesus, and the words of Paul, and the words of Peter, And the words of James, and the words of Matthew, and the words of Ezekiel, and the words of Moses are equally important. In other words, just because the words are written in red doesn't mean those words are any more important than what Paul had to say. It's all God's word. All scripture is inspired by God. Yes, it's fun to be able to see the very words of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with having a Bible that all the words of Jesus are in red. Nothing wrong with that. It's fun, it makes it easy to kind of say, oh, here, Jesus actually said this. But what you don't wanna do is elevate his words above somebody else's, because it's all the inspired word of God. Now, today we're gonna be looking at the the book of Habakkuk, okay, so everybody take their Bibles and turn to the book of uh, Habakkuk, okay? And it's a, it's a small book. And as you flip through the Old Testament, if you see the book of Psalms, keep moving to the right, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and if you happen to see, I don't know, Zechariah, you've gone too far. And if you start see, seeing the words in red, now you've really gone too far. You need to hook a left. You need to go back the other, the other direction, okay? It's, it's, a, it's in a group of books that we would call the Minor Prophets. You have the minor prophets and you have the major prophets. And the only reason why we call the book of Habakkuk and other books minor prophets is simply because the book is smaller. That's all. It's just smaller than the book of, say, Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Those would be the major prophets. But when you hear the term minor prophets, don't think that that's less inspired or it isn't as important, no. It's all the word of God. It's just a minor prophet because the book is just way smaller. That's the only reason we use a, 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 a term like that. Back, it was written somewhere around 600 BC and it's just full of some wonderful truths. This past week as I was looking at it, I thought, man, I had to do a quick series through it because there are just some unbelievable truths that uh, he gives us in this book. But Today, my primary focus is gonna be on three things, or really two things that Habakkuk did to help him better hear the voice of God. There are a couple of things that Habakkuk did that really helped him better hear the voice of God. And uh, I wanna kinda bring uh, two of those things out. They're they're just practical things that I think are gonna be super helpful for you if you put them into practice. Now, the easy thing for me to do would be to make the simple statement, if you want to hear from God, simply open your Bible and read it. That would be a simple statement that I could make, and I could say, okay, everybody get up and walk out the door, and that is truth. Small t. That if you want to to hear from God, all you have to do is open up your Bible and read it because this is God's word to you. One of the cool things that happened yesterday on our campus was our junior high got together at 6 a.m. down here and they started reading through the New Testament out loud. When we were praying here last night at 5.30, almost 12 hours later, they were now in the book of Revelation So over 12 hours, they were down here simply reading out loud, hearing God speak to them. Imagine that. I'll bet there isn't a person in this room, including myself, that's ever sat down for 12 hours straight and just read the Bible out loud with somebody else. But imagine how powerful that must have been in them and how powerful it will continue to be in their lives. Knowing that for 12 hours, junior hires had their Bibles along with a few of their teachers. And they just started in the book of Matthew and just read it out loud. Mark, Luke. 12 hours later, they're finishing up in the book of Revelation, wow, that was unbelievable. And it is a true statement that if you wanna hear from God, open up your Bibles and you'll hear from God, okay? Anytime somebody says to you, man, you know what, I'm really struggling, I feel like I'm not hearing from God right now, they're telling you something. They're telling you either A, they don't understand what the Bible is, or they're telling you they're just not reading their Bibles. Because somebody who says to me, Pastor Rick, I'm just not hearing from God, I'm gonna make the assumption that you aren't spending time in his word because every time you open this book up and read it, you're hearing from God. Now, you may not like what you hear, I get it. You may not understand what he's saying, I, I, I get it. But every time you read from this book, you are hearing from God. No questions about it, right here. But here's the deal, um, Habakkuk didn't have a Bible like we have to, to, to read. But he does do a couple of things that I think are really smart that I wanna point out that will help us. I wanna go beyond just that little statement. I wanna give you a couple things that I think will help you better hear from God. And the first thing is this, and I want you to write this down. Number one, Habakkuk wasn't afraid to ask God questions. Habakkuk wasn't afraid to ask God questions, especially some very hard questions. Look at uh, Habakkuk chapter one, verse two. Habakkuk's talking to God and he says, "'How long, O Lord, must I call for help, "'but you don't listen? "'Violence is everywhere. "'I cry, but you, you, you don't come to save. "'Must I forever see these evil deeds? "'Why must I watch all this misery, God?' Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. So here we have this great prophet of God and he opens up his book by asking God some questions. Now he's asking them in a very respectful way, in a very reverent way, but he's asking questions. And in verse five, God gives him an answer. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you about it, Habakkuk. I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their chariots charge from far away like eagles. They swoop down to devour their prey. So here we have Habakkuk asking some good questions, some hard questions, and God answers his questions. The problem was Habakkuk didn't like the answer what (laughs) Did, did i get that right and so guess what he does ask some more questions look at verse 12. oh lord my god my holy one you who are eternal surely you don't plan to wipe us out that's a good question that's a great question once again, Habakkuk, he's not arguing with God. He's na- not shaking his fist at God. He's not cursing God because of the answer he got. He was speaking with reverence. So, Oh, Lord, my God, my, my Holy One, you who are eternal. Surely. Sh- surely I didn't hear you right. You, 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 you're, you're not, not going to wipe us out, are you? And he goes on to ask another question. Look at verse 13. But you're pure and cannot stand the the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery, God? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Wow. In verse 17, Habakkuk asks more questions. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? Beloved, once again, Habakkuk doesn't, you know, stomp his feet and shake his fist at God because he doesn't like the answer he gets. He doesn't say, I'm quitting the church because he doesn't like the answers. He simply kept asking questions. And they were hard questions, but he did it in a very reverent way. In fact, one of the things that you find when you read through scripture is that people weren't afraid to go to God and ask Him questions. Let me give you a couple uh, examples. There was a moment when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee with His disciples, and a really bad storm came up. And though they were, you know, they all thought that they were going to die, and Jesus was asleep on the boat, and so the disciples wake him up and they asked Him a pretty good question Teacher? Don't you care? Don't you care that we're gonna drown? Don't you care? And as I pointed out before, you know, Jesus doesn't stand up and say, hey, you losers. Who are you to ask me a question like that? How dare you ask me a question like that? Don't you know who I am? He didn't do that. You know, God's shoulders are broad enough to handle your questions as long as you ask them in reverent way in a respectful way. I think that's a great question. Don't you care? Have you ever gone to God and said, God, don't you care about my family? You care about my marriage. Things are falling apart. God, don't you care about my teenager? He's gotten off track. I don't know. He's going sideways. God, don't you care about my my, my parents' marriage? My, my dad's gone sideways, man. Don't you, don't you care about my financial situation, God? I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the bills this, this month. God, don't you care about my business? I'm, I'm trying to run it in a God-honoring way, and it seems like all of those that are, you know, the scoundrels out there, the cheaters out there, their businesses are doing great, and I'm trying to you know, do things right, don't you care? By the way, Jesus answered their questions in in, uh, Mark chapter four, verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a, a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you guys afraid? You still have no faith. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like Habakkuk who asked questions, God answered. Here, you got the disciples, they, they asked a question. God got up and said, yeah, I care. And he stops the wind, stops the waves. There was a moment when an angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and told her that she was pregnant with God's child. And in Luke chapter one, it says this. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. That's a good question. I'm sure her mom and dad had given her the birds and the bees talk. And she's thinking to herself, okay. um, Time out. (laughs) Time out. How's this all going to go down? How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. By the way, the angel answered her question. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and it will be called the son of God. She asked a question and she got an answer to it. The great apostle Paul asked God a a great question. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations there was given to me a, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God answered and said to me, no, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Beloved, three times Paul said, God, I I got this affliction. I, I got this weakness. Will you please take it away? And three times God said, no, I'm not gonna take it away, Paul. My power shows up best in weak people. My power shows up best when you've got nothing to offer, so don't worry about your weakness because I'm bigger than your weakness. Paul asked a question and he got an answer. One of the great things about difficult times or hard times or confusing times is that they tend us to, to go to God or to rely on God to a greater degree. They, degree they, they cause us, if you will, to go to God and ask him questions. Now, some of you are, are thinking, Pastor Rick, what does this all have to do with the Bible? Well, when you ask questions of God, he usually answers them. You see, in biblical times, people didn't have the Bible. So God would speak through people, prophets, or he would you know, speak directly to a person. They would literally hear his audible voice today. But today we have the Bible. Remember, Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God. This is what God uses to teach us what is wrong, let us know what is right, how to do what is right, equip us to be and do all the things that God wants us to be and do. So one of the reasons why I like this little text here in Habakkuk is when you ask questions of God, I like that. Because I know that God is going to answer and how he's going to answer, he's gonna drive you back into the word of God. Because it's in the word of God that we find the answers to most of the questions that we have. It's in the word of God. Now here's the deal. Can God speak just directly through his Holy Spirit? Yeah, he can. God's all-powerful, God's sovereign, and I believe that the Holy Spirit can do you know whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. But the reality is, is that God left us this. And it's here that I know for sure this is the answer to whatever the question might be. It's this for sure. I know this for sure. And so questions are good things. Good thing. Let me give you a personal illustration of how this worked, okay? As most of you know, my first wife was killed in an accident many, many years ago. And after that happened, um, I had a lot of questions for God, as you could imagine. A lot of questions. I asked God lots of questions. Lots of hard questions. I did it in a very respectful way. I would read my Bible. You, you, you can't find anybody in scripture who hadn't asked God questions. You can go to the Old Testament and just see person after person after person who asked God questions. You get to the New Testament, people were asking God all kinds of questions. And so I had my shot to say, God, I got some questions for you. Hard questions. Questions like, God, why did this happen? I've tried to serve you best I could. And, and this? Why, God? God, don't you care about what's happening in my life? Well, that was a question I asked a lot. Don't you care? I mean, this is, this is just crummy. I got this five-year-old daughter, now what? God, I'm all alone. How, how am I gonna raise this daughter of mine? Man, I didn't I, I I didn't know anything. My daughter used to come to school every day with a ponytail. Because I could do that. That was all I knew. And it wasn't until later that somebody showed me, you know, you take a vacuum, you suck their hair in, and now you got another thing there. But I, I had to just do it on my own. But man, a lot of new inventions out there now. To this day, my oldest daughter is now married. She won't put her hair in a ponytail, and probably because of the traumatic experience she had with me. In fact, you know, she became a hairdresser probably because of that. You know, I don't ever want to have to have my hair in a ponytail ever again, kind of thing. I remember asking God, What are you doing? This just doesn't make any sense. I remember asking God, what am I supposed to do now? I don't know. Now I want you to know there came a moment when I began to hear from God. In fact, there was a moment when God was very clear with some very just very specific answers to these questions that I had. Now it took some time for me to hear the answers. But the answers came. And I'm going to share with you five things. I went back through a journal. Five specific things that God shared with me. Number one, God told me that my wife died because of sin. Not necessarily because she was in sin at that time, but just sin. Number two, God told me that he cared deeply about what was going on in my life. Number three, God told me that he was walking with me through all of the pain and all of the the sorrow and all the difficulties of trying to raise this young lady who was so young. Number four, God told me that he was gonna use this tragedy for his glory. And number five, God told me to stay faithful. Now when you look at those five things, they all have one thing in common. All of those answers are found in the scriptures. Let me show you what I mean. Number one, God told me that my wife died because of sin. And as I began to ask these questions, God began to bring back to my memory truths of scripture that what took place in Genesis chapter three when Adam and Eve made the decision to blow God off and it brought sin into the world, that had a cataclysmic effect on, on humanity. And the Bible says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world and Adam's sin brought death. Physical death and way more importantly, spiritual death. He was reminding me of a truth that's found in scripture. The answer to a question that I had was found in the word of God. Number two, God told me that he cared deeply about what was going on in my life. And Psalms chapter 56 says, you God keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. God drove me back to the scriptures where I saw that, wait a minute, God does care deeply about me. In fact, he gives me this unbelievable imagery of when you were shedding those tears, Rick, and I shed a lot of tears. Imagine me collecting them in a bottle. I knew about them. I knew, and I cared. I care about what's going on in your life. Psalms chapter 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. One of the great passages that God drove me back to, and by the way, this is all in a journal, was John 3, 16, where God said, let me tell you how much I care about you, Rick. I so loved you that I sent my son Because you had a problem, you had a sin problem that had separated us. And I so loved you and I so cared about you, I sent my son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you. Number three, God told me he was walking with me through all of the pain and sorrow. Isaiah chapter 43 says, don't be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you're mine. When you go through deep waters, I'm going to be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulties, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord, your God, the holy one of Israel, your savior. Here I was asking these questions that anybody would ask, and God was answering my questions, wasn't he? He drove me back to the word of God where I could see the truth. I found the answers. I may not have liked the answers, but there were answers. Number four, God told me that he was gonna use this tragedy for his glory. Romans chapter eight says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God or are called according to uh, His, his purpose for them. So here I was, God, what good could come from this? You gotta be kidding me. What are you up to? And God's gonna answer my question. He pushes me back to the word of God where I read this and I know I love God and I knew I was called according to his purpose and God is saying, I'm gonna use this tragedy and by the way, he did, he used it in some unbelievable ways, still is. And number five, God told me just to stay faithful. Galatians chapter six says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now there's a whole lot of other verses that I had in my my journal. My point in this is this. I like it when you, God's people, ask the Lord hard questions, difficult questions, and you ask them in, in holy, reverent ways. Because I know God will answer. He's gonna push you back to the word of God. And if you're a new believer and you don't know much about the Bible, that's why there are elders, there are spiritual leaders, there are pastors who are there to say, okay, what's your question? Okay, let's see what the answer might be in scripture. It's here. Now listen, I had a lot more questions than that. I'm not gonna go through them all. And there were some that God didn't answer. And the ones that God didn't answer, basically I just was pushed back to scripture where it says in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things God chose not to reveal to me. But he gave me enough where I could go, okay, I'm, I'm golden. I'm good and there were some things where God was simply saying you just have to believe me and the great prophet Isaiah said hey (laughs) my thoughts aren't your thoughts Rick my ways aren't your ways Rick for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways and your ways Rick and my thoughts than your thoughts Rick there are some things I I I may never understand and probably the moment I get to heaven, I'm not even gonna care about getting the answers. But maybe God will have a great moment with me where he'll say, you know, you asked these 10 questions and you didn't get an answer, let, let, me, let me share with him. Let me share with you now. Maybe he'll do that, maybe he won't, I don't know. Whole purpose of kinda of coming at it from this angle of Habakkuk of, a, of asking questions is, look, We need to be people who are reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word, meditating on the Word, obeying the Word, because it's here where we're gonna find the answers to some of our questions. And one of the things I have found is God loves to answer our questions. And the last thing I'll just give you real quick, write this down and then I'm I'm gonna end it, is Habakkuk got himself into a place where he could better hear from God In chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk says, well, I'm going to climb up to my watchtower and stand my my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Now, listen to me. (laughs) Habakkuk could have been anywhere, and God, God could have broken through all the noise of whatever was going on. But Habakkuk gives us all something very important, a principle here, that we ought to have a place that's special. We ought to have a a place where we can get away and better hear the voice of the Lord. And in this case, a better place where you can just be alone, away from the noise, away from all the distractions. You turn off your cell phone, you turn off your radio, and it's just you and the voice of God where you can read it, and study it, and meditate on it, memorize it. It's a, it's a special place away from all the, the distractions. And we see that in the, 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 the life of Jesus, where he would get away and find a mountainside to go by and be alone and pray. And that doesn't mean he couldn't hear from, from God in the midst of a crowd, you can. But I think one of the reasons why Christians today can be so biblically illiterate is we're just going and going and going and we got our TVs on and our radios on and there's noise and there's noise and there's noise and there's stuff happening and we're never you know, doing what Habakkuk d- did, and we're climbing up to a watchtower just to say, God, here I am. It's just you and I. It's not you and I and my phone. It's not you and I and the music. It's just you and I, God, and here I am. And you you take your Bible and you begin to just read it. Knowing I'm hearing from God right now. I'm hearing from you, Lord. So you, you, you have these two things from Habakkuk where he asked questions and he found a place where he could hear God better. When I was a youth pastor, whenever, um, Finals would come around. All the students got super spiritual. <laughs> hey, I think we need to have a prayer meeting. Finals are coming up, you know. And, uh, or they'd want me to pray for them. Hey, would you pray for me? I got a final coming up. And, and my prayer for them was always this. God, would you recall to their memory that which they have studied Because that's the way God tends to work. Can God supernaturally just give kids answers to things? Yes, he's God. I would never put God in a box and say God couldn't just supernaturally give a kid an answer. Isn't it interesting that when you gave your life to Christ, you didn't know anything? See, the way he kind of orchestrated this thing is is you give your life to him, and then it begins this lifelong journey of studying his word so that you would know him better. He just doesn't give it to y'all. And so here's the deal about the word. When you're going through a difficult time, a hard time, or you ask God hard questions, (laughs) may God bring to your memories that which you have read, that which you have studied about him. Hard for him to bring to mind something you've never read or never studied. And it certainly opens you up to be deceived and to believing things that aren't true and aren't accurate. Why don't you stand over in the venue, everybody here and stand, and let me end our time in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this morning, last night. Wow, I, I, I just have really enjoyed every minute of this. So thankful, God, for 50 years of faithful elders, faithful deacons, faithful pastors, God. Thank you. Lord, keep doing good things here at Big Valley Grace. Use these good men to help, um, help keep this a godly church. And Father, um, man, I enjoyed the music. Man, the Reliance Trio was just fantastic. Three good men. Wow, Lord, I just enjoyed talking with them. May Prime Time just have a fantastic time with them. And God, may you continue to transform us as a body of believers who would really keep our noses in the Holy Scriptures. Your word, Lord. And I pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the God's people said. Amen. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.